eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Here we are again, coming towards the end of our scouting podcast reign now, um, first round anyway, when we're going through all the positions. This week, we're up in the defensive secondary, and we are looking at cornerbacks today. So quite an exciting, sexy position after we get into towards the end, uh, towards the end of our, like I say, first round, and getting towards the sort of the, like I say, the sexy positions really. So a class that we really like. Um, I think we were just having a little bit of a chat just before we started recording, and everyone sounded pretty excited. This one should be bit of a doozy for everyone uh, listening. So you will start off with our usual, um, usual place where we kind of say what we're looking for in our cornerbacks. Liam, I'll come to you first, uh, mate. What do you, what do you want to see in uh, a first round corner or a good top end cornerback? Uh, a good first round corner and like the top end guys, you mainly kind of um, like play more on the outside than in the slot. I think we're going to like mention depending on, where guys are kind of projected to go and what position they're going to play that like slot corners, you can find some really good ones. Um, but you generally want your, your better ones to be on the outside that they can play. Um, yeah. A variety of coverages like the pro teams will want to see how good you are in man press zone coverages, all kinds of um, short coverages in, in different defensive schemes. Um, again, to bring in this slot cover thing, I like, that we can look and project guys in different areas of the field defensively. So I always enjoy finding good um, slot corners compared to the guys on the outside as well that need to be a bit more physical, have better length and good range. And obviously also tackling. You want the guys to be able to to tackle well, not just to be able to cover passes. Can they come up and uh, run support and towards the backfield and blitz? There's a lot of things like that that get dialed up in the pros that the pro scouts will be wanting to see. Yeah, there's there's uh, obviously different schemes uh, to be had, and it's nice to be able to separate uh, the the draft prospects out to see how they best fit into the NFL. Yeah, absolutely, I completely agree. Rob, is there anything that you want to add in terms of what Liam said, and obviously any traits that you might look for for your your top end corners, maybe from the guy that you've been watching this week? Yeah, traits trait wise. Um... I personally, I know, as everyone knows, and I say this at every every stop that we have at the defensive positions, I'm not a defensive guru like you guys are. But when I I do appreciate good defensive plays, and when I'm looking at cornerbacks, and when I'm watching all the tape that I've watched over the last couple of weeks, um, it's about for me, it's how they diagnose the plays, how they read the quarterback's eyes, how they how quickly they can um, sort of see what what is happening on the field how quick they can get to screen passes stuff like this um shadowing obviously you know i i want my guys to be quite physical i want them to be bargy with the with with, with wide receivers i want them to dominate uh, that area so that's the kind of things that i look for in a cornerback um yeah that's that's pretty much it as it comes to traits awesome yeah definitely no i completely agree you guys have covered it a great deal. Um, two things that I'd kind of mention, or maybe three actually, that are kind of the top of my list when I'm looking at cornerbacks uh, that you kind of not mentioned. Uh, I don't think either of you have kind of alluded to it, but footwork and fluidity. I'll call it fluidity because we, we're caring all the time for hips, but that's the kind of thing that I mean, you know, can they flip the hips? Can they do a speed turn uh, to keep up with these wide receivers? Because they've got to cover some of the best athletes in the world and they don't know where they're going. So it's quite a difficult job to do if you're not able to turn as quickly as you should do. And if your feet get pretty muddled, 
Um, and also ball skills as well. Ball skills. I want someone to be able to uh, bat away passes or get the hands on the football and take it the other way. Because as we know, in the NFL in 2020, moving into 2021, defense is all about turnover. It's all about getting the ball back from your team. You know, you've got offenses that can put 50, 60 points a game if they need to. And you need to create turnovers and move in the move the momentum, sorry, in the opposite direction. And that's how that's what happens through creating turnovers, through getting picks, from getting uh, splash plays. So, yeah, all defenders for me really need to be able to cause uh, turnovers for the well for the for their own offense and get them back on the field. Um, so yeah, just to kind of add it, add that in there to to what you guys have said, really. Andy, what about yourself, mate? What are you looking for? Anything to add to the three of us and what we've said? I think it's one of the most uh, mentally demanding positions um, in the game. I think it's one of the, in general, I think it's one of the top three most difficult positions to play. Um, and as a, as a result, I'm looking for some mental toughness, um, some kind of like ability to get up and make a play after someone's just dunked on you or whatever, that sort of thing. Um, you kind of see it with the with the top corners in the league. I mean, uh, obviously Dolphins fan, top corner of the league this season is uh, Xavier Howard. And you kind of, uh, if you watch him, he'll give up a 15, 20-yard play and the quarterback goes back to him the next next play uh, and then he picks them off. And that's how he's got 10 picks all season. That's how he's kind of, you know, been fantastic in, in pass coverage. It's been not break play. Um, and sometimes it almost feels like, it's done on purpose. I know it's not, but it feels like, you know, sometimes it just invites them in for that second go and second bite of the cherry and, and boom, there's the, there's the interception. So that feels to me what it is. It's that mental resilience, um, that kind of ability to stay in the uh, stay in the game and just, uh, just, just read it and then keep coming back for more. Yeah, they say to have a short memory, don't they? Things like that, when you can kind of come back from, like you say, a big mistake or something like a busted coverage or, like you say, just, just giving up a big play just because the wide receivers beat you. Um, and then, yeah, come back and, and make a big one yourself and kind of, like I said before, tip the momentum back in your favour. So, yeah, that's what we're kind of looking for with our cornerbacks. And it's in- interesting, obviously, Liam, you mentioned at the top there about the distinction between uh, slot corners. I don't want to do like a full round of all three of us or all four of us again, but... Just make a distinction for us. What what would you look for in a slot corner that you wouldn't be looking for so much in an outside corner? I like um, slot corner that has a good burst read and acceleration to the football because it's um, when they're coming up and uh, more into the box, into the, towards the line of scrimmage, and uh, they're usually in position to uh, to make breaks on in the backfield. You want that the, the quick acceleration and the instincts as well to, to be able to, to end an offensive play quickly and then also to cover the quicker slot guys when they're in coverage. Um, outside, um, you're kind of looking for a little bit more length, or a bit more range, obviously just as much um, speed and uh, physicality as well. But um, the guys that uh, kind of play in the slot, they're wearing their... Um, Tyron Matthew at the Chiefs is a really good example as well. You kind of uh, blur the lines between a cornerback and a safety sometimes, the best slot guys. And you you kind of really get an idea watching prospects uh, for who can kind of make that that transition and be in and play those positions in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you bang on there. Obviously, with the slot corners, it can be a big slot, can't it, nowadays with a bigger safety coming down there. Matthew is kind of that ultimate hybrid almost in that sense, isn't he? With the, the ferocity that he plays with and also the quickness that he plays with as well, able to take on the big guys and also the quicker guys. So, um, yeah, you've kind of hard pressed, I think, to find someone who's got that mixture. But, you know, yeah, like it's like short area quickness and the ability to kind of stick with people in uh, 
you know, a lot of traffic as well as you're running through the middle of the field a lot of the time in, in the slot. So yeah, no, really good like that, like that a lot. Um, in fact, you've got two players. So why don't you start us off? You're going to talk about two Georgia guys today. Start us off with one of them and then we'll, we'll kind of do sandwich like we did with me and the two Alabama linemen that I did a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, two Georgia guys. The uh, first guy that uh, I'm going to talk about is Eric Stokes, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I'd say number one cornerback. Really wanted to talk about him for this podcast. So um, I kind of got in early when we were um, claiming prospects, um, mainly for the reason I think he's a really interesting study for this draft. Um, he's uh, 6'1", approximately 185 pounds, um, attended Eastside High School in Covington, Georgia. Um, of note is that he also ran track in high school. So he's got uh, the athletic traits, the athletic background. Um, redshirted his first season. Um, played all but one game, um, mainly on special teams during his second year, but did get three starts. Um, as a redshirt sophomore, he started every game except one, getting 38 tackles and a sack. Um, then back as a starter for the season just gone uh, as a redshirt junior, where he really um, kicks on impressively. Um, some pros of his game. Um, that uh, well, I think the main thing is that he's a real ascending talent. Um mostly exemplified by the fact that he was just a three-star recruit. Um, he's certainly ascending in terms of production. Um, no interceptions until this 2020 season, but uh, then he's uh, he recorded four, uh, two of which were taken to the end zone for touchdowns. Uh, the first was right out of the gate in his first uh, game of the season uh, where he, on the road to Arkansas. So his, his first pick as a, a Georgia Bulldog and took it back 30 yards for a touchdown. Um, I'll get into the uh, the second pick six a bit uh, a bit later. Um, I like how uh, Georgia play their corners. Um, they ask them to be really good in both uh, man and zone coverages off the line. Um, we've mentioned uh, when we talked safeties uh, that Georgia likes to play the single high safety uh, with uh, Richard LeCount, who we talked about on the safeties uh, episode. So they keep him at single high. It means that the cornerbacks at Georgia are asked to cover uh, quite a lot of ground um, and Stokes does it very well and uh, he's he's good in man coverage he doesn't mind getting physical he's good positionally that's on the field and with his body position accelerates well as well when um, covering routes shows a bit of that athleticism um, he's a smart player um, vision is really good he can read the quarterback well um, and I think that kind of leads me on to I think his biggest strength um, where I think he's best, which uh, I think he's best in zone coverage. Um, going back to kind of um, traits we like to look for, um, I think this is something that I've really kind of um, cottoned onto because uh, in the in the short areas, breaking to the football out of um, zone coverage, where Stokes does this really well, he uses ex acceleration uh, really well. Um, I think that these kind of plays for cornerbacks are really important when translating to the NFL or like the, the modern NFL. Um, because depending on your defensive scheme that you're in, whether you're in cover one, cover two, cover three, um, modern NFL passing game of like quick throws to get yards uh, after catch, whether that's flats or curls or out routes, it means the teams are looking for defenders that can make bursts and take those away really quickly. And I think Stokes, he hasn't got the best kind of speed or burst in this class, but it's he can certainly do it. And he made plays. Uh, like that this season and I think that's really really exciting for his ceiling in terms of how far and how high he can get in the NFL um, 
a good example is um, his um, his second pick six, uh, which was um, Georgia's loss to Florida. Um, the Gators put 44 points on them in that. So not a really good tape for most of Georgia, but um, by this, uh, in the second quarter when um, Florida were um, passing a lot to the right, they weren't testing Stokes too much on uh, the left. And then uh, Kyle Trash tried one to the left and uh, Stokes broke for broke on the ball, picked it off, took it back for 37 yards. And um, that's a 37 yard touchdown. It must've been only about a play or two after I thought they weren't testing him enough. And um, so I kind of made a note that, that maybe Stokes can um, kind of even challenge for the first round at that point, just as I was kind of thinking he hasn't been challenged enough. He goes and gets a pick six. And I thought that was really impressive. Um, a last uh, pro that I, I took note of is that back in 2018, he had a punt return for a touchdown. Um, out of only two returns, so that could be something. There could be something in there as a as a returner in the pros if if uh, NFL teams want to start him on special teams. I think that uh, could be something. I think there's a, a couple of areas he needs to work on. I, I think on film, uh, man coverage, ball location can sometimes be a bit of an issue. I think he sometimes gets a little bit lost with the ball in the air and in, in, uh, in close coverage down the field. I think he struggles kind of in his kind of long speed, like going through the gears as he goes up against receivers. Um, I think tackling is a little bit inconsistent as well. I think it's just kind of, it's just needs coaching, just needs a bit of refining. But um, yeah, like I say, I kind of made a note during the season that he could push for a first round and he has kept us ending this year. So yeah, I, I really like Eric Stokes as a, as a prospect. Do you feel like obviously we we've obviously chronicled a bit the cornerback class during our mock drafts? Obviously earlier on in the season, we had about a thousand corners going in the first round. Do you think he can he can crack that, or is that uh, we're looking at off the second at the moment? I think I think earlier in the year I think he made my first round mock, and I think later into the year I think as I've watched a bit more of the class that we're going to get into, I think that um, even though I've called him an ascending talent, I think there are guys that have risen and had a little bit more I have risen a bit more after I've watched um, Tate but I, I still think he could you know, cornerbacks are interesting in, in drafts there's always more that go early um, and I think that yeah if there's a run on them he could he could crack it Awesome yeah that's really cool um, yeah there's, it is, it's a position of need it's a little bit like what Rob was saying Um was it last week? It seems so long ago since we podcasted about the offensive tackles when you were saying that there was like a league-wide hole uh, in the yeah, offensive line. Yeah, and right, yeah. it's it's almost like, you know, you can't ever have enough, you know, good corners. You know, that's a, lot, that's a sort of adage, isn't it, really? So, you know, yeah. if someone kind of has one, uh, a need up there at the back end of the first, he could definitely come up, I think, and uh, can come up there. I think, potentially, I don't know if he's a top three cornerback in this class. Mm. You don't think yeah, he's, he's going to go early first round? but Yeah, if we're going to call like his over-under in the, the cornerback class, yeah, three or four overall as in from the cornerbacks only, yeah, I think is a good shout. Mm. Um, and But yeah, I think a lot of teams will like it. I think a lot of teams will have him high. I think they, they'll look at the... We know all about the, the Georgia defensive schemes, that that's, that's as good a college uh, defensive scheme as you're going to get. And he... he We've talked about kind of coming out of the slot and blitzing. He does that well as well. I've seen him making plays out of the backfield. He's the guy that they bring on the extra blitz when they want to. He can he can do a lot. He can do a lot that can be taken into the pros. Mm. Yeah, and that versatility obviously is, is going to help as well for sure. Especially if it's 
kind of a toss up between him and another corner at the end of the first round or something like that. So, yeah, no, good. Uh, we'll let you have a little break and you'll come back uh, shortly for your, for your second Georgia corner. Um, you must be an expert on that defensive scheme now after spending however long watching so many games these two. Uh, these two corners, which we'll come back to later on. Uh, I'm going to step in uh, with a guy who I really like. You guys will remember, or listeners will remember, me getting really, really excited about another Georgia player, actually, a few weeks ago when we were doing the edge class uh, about Aziz Ojolari. And they, JC Horn I've got from South Carolina in what is this podcast become a very, very dominated SEC uh, podcast with the players that we're going to be looking through. But uh, yeah, a player that was kind of getting me on the edge of my seat and just really, really excited. I actually went and watched uh, a sixth game just because I wanted to watch a bit more of him, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, I found, found lots of games of his from last year and also from this. Found him coming up against some really big offensive weapons for some of these players as well. Some of these, sorry, some of these teams, some of these opponents. Um, so just to give a couple that I kind of watched. Um, going up against uh, Alabama's wide receiver room really in 2019 of what was drafted last year and obviously what they've had this year in terms of, obviously, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh, Waddle, and uh, Devonta Smith as well. Uh, watching Florida play Florida this year, so he's coming up against Kyle Pitts. They seem to task him quite a lot with looking after Kyle Pitts, and we know that's a pretty mammoth task at the best of times, and I thought he pretty much held his own in that, although Pitts obviously got touched down, but that's kind of part of the course, I guess. Um, he also had a great battle um, against uh, Auburn. We're getting Seth Williams in particular and came out on top and absolutely nullified him. We got a couple of picks in that game. And last one I'll mention, because I don't want to reel off every single game, but he also took on Jalen Wedemeyer for Texas A&M, who obviously we've, we've spoke about in dispatches a little bit on the podcast throughout the whole year. Uh, another massive you know, tight end. So he's taken on a lot of diversity in, in who, you're, who he's taking on. Uh, I'll go back to the beginning, though, you know, as we, as we do. Um, from Alpharetta, Georgia, and obviously got signed up to uh, South Carolina. Um, you're moving across the state line. Just to the north, uh, weighing in 200 pounds, measuring up at six foot one. He's a junior. And uh, yeah, I think it's another team. But it's pretty similar to um, to Georgia, as you just said, uh, with yours, Liam, when you're talking about Eric Soaks, obviously the other con that we'll come on to. Uh, JC Horn and Israel Makwamu, who I quite liked pre-season, but he seems to have had a bit of a, a drop-off. And some people are saying he's a bit more of a safety. But I kind of, kind of like these two um, in the summer when I was watching them. And obviously getting to dive into JC Horn this week, um, for even more, like I said before, I couldn't even get couldn't get enough tape on this guy. Um, another kind of thing to mention before I get into the pros and cons, he was on the SEC Fall Academic Honor Roll, so obviously a good student as well as uh, being a good player as well. Um, but yeah, into the into the pros and cons and the kind of summary of him. Uh, Horn plays as a, in a variety of coverages, which plays off press, man zone. The whole variety, really, what you'd like to see, but he's not um, ever taken any snaps at the in the slot or in the nickel position. From what I can see, he's very much a an outside corner kind of number one, uh, bona fide CB one candidate moving forward. He's obviously got the size and the frame, as I've mentioned, you no know, six foot one, two hundred uh, to play on the outside. And he's also got that mentality. He's also got that alpha mentality of like like what I just said about coming up against Seth Williams, absolutely dominated Seth Williams, who's a fairly decent receiver in the SEC. Um, and you just didn't even give him a chance. You know, it's one of those where he just kind of keeps his foot on the gas and uh, his foot on the throat, really, and just keeps uh, kind of just nullifying the offense's uh, number one receiver, really. Uh, physical at both the line of scrimmage and the catch point, so like, you just can't get away from him. Um, but he's also a really, really fluid mover. And going back to my fluidity and uh, my 
footwork. I just thought he, he had that in spades, really. Um, he's got a C-ball, attack ball mentality as well. So coming in, it's kind of the production side of things. He's got a lot of uh, pass deflections in his early career. And a little bit like what Liam was saying with Eric Stokes, really. he hasn't had a pick until this year and then got a couple against Auburn, as I mentioned before. But a boatload of pass deflections, eight, nine, and six for the, the three years consecutive um, coming through his, his uh, college career. Also got a couple of forced fumbles in there for good measure as well. So finding, if not if he's not getting those interceptions early on in his career, was finding ways to punch the ball out and force fumbles. So like I said before, um, takes on big slots uh, in terms of the tight ends, sometimes kind of trying to nullify the, the offensive weapon of the other team and also then one receiver. Um, also keeps his eye on the ball quite a lot. I didn't see him kind of not getting his head around and giving away flags, which obviously in the NFL, you're going to do quite a lot if you if you don't locate the ball. So I, I found that to be one of the stre- a, a definite strength of his. And as I mentioned, super, super competitive. I feel like like what we said about Eric Stokes just now, his ball skills are kind of on the up. I feel like he's converting those pass deflections into picks now, and hopefully that'll continue in the NFL. So yeah, I just think the scene is super, super high for him. And uh, I, like I said before, I couldn't get enough tape of him really. Weaknesses wise, he kind of can't get really, he can't really get off blocks in the run game. Doesn't seem to have that technique to kind of break free. And I think we've mentioned this before actually, but he's not the greatest tackler. He's very willing but I don't think he's the, the greatest tackler in the world. He needs to work on that technique. He seems to kind of duck his head down and go low, but doesn't really kind of do it with any purpose. He just kind of seems to put his body in a position, but doesn't really seem to know too much what he's doing. But he definitely got the frame to do that if he kind of gets some coaching at the next level. So another sort of area where his ceiling could grow from, from where it is now. Uh, and as I just mentioned, the, the high-end production isn't really there at the moment in terms of uh, turnovers and, and getting that uh, ball out, as I mentioned before. But as I said, it is an ascending, ascending thing that you can do. So, yeah, I was super, super impressed. I actually gave him a late first-round grade, which is uh, more than I got for everyone else. I'm not too far apart, although I didn't do a massive deep dive into the rest of the guys that we've got on the on the programme today. But, yeah, it's my cornerback one for now. And, um, yeah, it might take some shifting, to be honest with you. That's a, it's a really good grade for me. I um I like like that very much. Um, before Anthony Costanzo retired, I had Indy taking a corner, and I had Indy taking JC Horn at twenty three. So um, he was definitely on my radar uh, for someone that would fit a big hole for the Colts. So yeah, it's uh, music to my ears. That is because he sounds like a really good prospect. Mm. And as much as I've got him CB one, it, it does seem like I'm a bit higher on him than a lot of people. So he seems to be in that two three range. Although I do see some people kind of agree with me as, as CB1, but so he might be in that, that sort of range for, for Indy, kind of late teens, early 20s kind of thing, you know, depending on where we're going. But um, yeah, interesting player. I, yeah, I'm going to have him quite high as well. And I really like his physicality. And you touched on how he's covering tight ends and uh, kind of playing that role that you'd usually want uh, safety to come up and be doing or kind of what's now described as one of those kind of hybrid players. You don't expect a guy like JC Horn that pretty good in all areas as a cornerback to uh, to just be put on really good tight ends because these are good tight ends in the SEC as as well. I think the NFL teams are really going to like that physicality. Um, I agree, though, that I've kind of marked him down sometimes for um, physicality in the open space, so like tackling that, and you, I think you've mentioned it, but do you think that that's like more technique? you think that's coachable? I think so, because he kind of... I, I noticed that he did the same thing over and over again. So it's just kind of coaching out of him. He kind of ducks his head down, spreads his arms wide as though he's going to get someone, but kind of makes the defender, so the offensive player kind of hit him rather than initiating the contact. Yeah. And he kind of just, because he's got his head ducked, he's not really looking where he's going. So it's kind of like a blind kind of rush forward to tackle that person, but 
like I said before, he's not kind of initiating that contact. It's kind of coming from the other way. It's just kind of being a bit of a, a big old speed bump, really. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely coachable, in my opinion, anyway. Just like everything I see with him, to be honest with you, I see that there's a lot of areas to grow and, and things like that. So I think he's a really good player now and he's going to get better to me anyway. I think um, coaching at, DB coaching at South Carolina is actually quite solid overall. And you talked about the other guy on the other, other side of the field as well. And usually like some, some good guys coming out mm. there on the defence. So, yeah, and I agree, I'm going to be really, really high on him throughout yeah. this process. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's move on then to guy who we reckon is probably consensus number one overall. Rob, we'll come to you. Yeah, I was going to say, I think JT Horn is, is my number two in the, in this draft. And that's because this guy is my far and out number one for me. Uh, it's Patrick Sertain Jr. Or as uh, you see written down, Patrick Sertain II, uh, as I like to say. Uh, he's a junior out of Alabama. 6'1", 203 pounds. I've got down here perfect height, and I think that's about right because 6'1 seems to be sort of the average norm for a cornerback. Uh, 203 pounds. There's only a handful of players, uh, cornerbacks, in this draft over 200 pounds, and say Horn is one of them, and and Sertain is another one. So um, would you say a tad heavy? I don't think so. I think, uh, I think that's just about perfect size um, for a corner. Uh, five-star recruit from Fort Lauderdale in Florida. Uh, he went to American Heritage High School. He was the CB1 in the 2018 recruiting class and the sixth ranked nationally, uh, according to, to 24-7 Sports. Um, you might have heard the name before, Patrick Sertain. That's because he is a son of former second-round pick for the Dolphins, uh, Patrick Sertain Sr., who and then played for Kansas City for three years after that seven-year stint in Miami, retired in 2009, aged 33, and he was a three-time pro bowler and a first-team All-Pro in 2002. So we know that the bloodline is strong in the Sertain household. Um it, the, the thing I like most about Patrick said, well, one of the things I like the most about Sertain is he, he came into Alabama and in his first season, his freshman season, he was a starting player. Uh, he started 12 games. That is quite a rarity for an Alabama player. Um, no matter what position you're in, you don't often see a freshman starting games uh, at Alabama. He started 12 of them. Um and he's played 38 games in total for the Crimson Tide in just three years. So that just sort of kind of solidifies what kind of a press, what kind of a recruit he was um, coming out of his high school for, for Nick Saban to put all that trust in him to start him freshman year. He, he got in the uh, SEC All Freshman Team of the Year, uh, sophomore year. He was completely solid again, um, earned an honourable mention, All-American honours at corner. Uh, and then this year, his ju junior year, I'll just rattle off some stats. It's quite impressive. He allowed 25 receiving yards or fewer in 10 of 8 of 13 games, targeted just 48 times all season and allowed only 21 completions for 273 combined yards broke up a team high of 12 passes and total 38 tackles, including three and a half for loss as a junior, had two quarterback hurries, a fumble for recovery and a pick six for 25 yards. That is a dominating player um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, when you see a corner who is just targeted 48 times throughout the season, that's because people want to stay away from him because he's that good. 
he can make plays. He can, he, you know, he will not give you anything. So that's why he's not been targeted. That's a good statistic to have. The lower that number, the better. That means teams are afraid of you. Um, let's go on to some pros then. Um, there's there's quite a few. I'm very impressed with what I saw on tape. He's got great discipline. He's a good size and length, like we discussed. His extension, like it, he almost grows go-go gadget arms when the ball's coming over because all of a sudden his arm will come out from nowhere and deflect the ball. It's quite great to see. And I know that's quite a common thing for good corners, but it, was, it just seems it just comes out of nowhere. His arms are just flying around as the ball comes over. And he's always got in front of the defender, which is a good thing, um, obviously. Uh, he plays well in press man scheme where he can play man coverage. He's very good at diagnosing plays. One of the best traits, and this is what I was saying at the top of the show, one of the things that really stood out for me when I was watching his tape was he was so alert to the quarterback. He, he, he As soon as the quarterback threw the ball, he was on it. He was on the play. If it was a screen pass, screw you know, screw what he was, who he was marking. He was down the field at that player. Um, and it was just so switched on. It was really good to see his alertness. Um he sticks to tackles. Another thing that I absolutely loved was so often you'll see a corner or a safety or a linebacker, a tackle of guy. And, you know, it's a half hearted half tackle. Um, doesn't always bring the player down. It, Patrick Sertain sticks like glue. It, it's like a leech. He literally sucks the life out of the, the receiver. Uh, he grabs on and just wrestles him down all the time. And it's just so good to see that. Um that aggression in the, in tackling it's clever tackling is what I would call it. It's, it's, it's calculated, it's hard hitting and he does not let go. And I love that um, about him. There was no one ever escaping his tackles. Um, great ability to track the ball over the shoulder. Um, he, he draws comparisons to wide receivers with his ability to track the ball over the shoulder, which I like. Um, he's, he's well coordinated, calm and collected when running downfield turn it back to locate the ball. And when he's one-on-one, he uses his frame to block out receivers and manipulate angles. So the ball is always in his favor, which is like as well. Um, and like I said, those arms that just extend like go-go gadget arms. Um, it was just, it was great to watch. There are a few cons, um, not many, and it is splitting hairs, uh, in my opinion, with, with, with Patrick Sertain or PS2, as I like to call him. Um, long speed, he can be beaten deep. Again, not very often, as we've just heard. He only got targeted 48 times. So this doesn't happen very often. But if there is a weak point to his game, it's the long speed. Now, he is quite quick and um, he's got quite a bit of burst off the line. But down the field a little bit, he can get beaten deep by the fast, fast wide receivers. Um, he didn't have a very good game against Florida, which is one of the games that I watched. Uh, he was beat by Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts multiple times, and he gave up a pretty soft touchdown to Trevon Grimes, uh, which I felt he could have done better with. But, you know, everyone has the down days. That was one of his, I think. Um, he sometimes struggles with mentality and press coverage rather than being aggressive and like, uh, like, like I said, bumping a receiver, um, he'll he'll use trail technique instead. So that's basically when you know you're not even looking at the quarterback; you're just shadowing the receiver. Um, that at the next level is a tough thing to do because if you go up against someone like DeAndre Hopkins, he, he will use that to his advantage and like, get additional separation. Um, and that kind of a flaw is what will be exposed quite a lot from the top receivers. I do, however, think that that's something that comes naturally uh, with experience and being a junior, only three years in college, you know, like I said, we're splitting hairs here. That's something that he'll learn and he'll get better at. Um, but certainly first couple of years in, in the league, if he comes up against someone like D hop or, you know, one of these 
top elite receivers, they will exploit that floor. Um, so it's just some things to keep your eyes on. But like I said, the, the pros far outweigh the cons for Patrick Sertain. He is, for me, he's the clear CB1 in the class. Um, okay, I haven't watched too much tape of the other guys, but um, from what I've, what I've seen of the brief highlights, he's the one that stands out. And I think he's a top 10 guy. Mm. A rousing review there. Um, yeah, I think, like you say, he's got that pedigree, hasn't he? He's got that experience as well, which is always something that I look out for as well. And I think considering the family bloodline and then also the experience on top of that, coming, especially at a massive school like Alabama, who obviously play great defensive football, you can see that intelligence coming straight through, can't you? And it jumps off the page immediately when you watch yeah. it. He just knows what yeah. he's doing out there. Exactly, yeah. He's, you know, like I said, to, to be to be a freshman at Alabama and get all them games, um, you have to be special. Um, and he's taken that opportunity and, and you know, he's, he's done the best that he could with it and he's, he's absolutely shone. Um, could have stayed on this year, but it doesn't need to. He's ready. He's ready to go up to the next level. Like I said, there are a few things that he needs to just sort of polish. Um, but no, I'm excited to see where he goes in, in the NFL. Mm, yeah, he's, he's, there's never a perfect prospect. There's always something that someone can work on. And um, yeah, it might be out of reach for your boys, though. Yeah, from what you're yeah saying. just like, yeah, well, you said about per- perfection. <laughs> Obviously, Cole Pitts is in the draft. He's pretty perfect, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I got you're gonna buy his jersey, aren't you? As soon as it yes, comes sir. out, wherever he goes, <laughs> can't wait for it. Um, Andy, you, you're up. Uh, we'll kind of leave Liam's second guy till last, uh, and he'll sandwich the whole round for us. But yeah, Liam, you, uh, you're sorry, Andy, sorry, you've got uh, Caleb Farley out of, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, what to say about Farley? He started uh, as a quarterback in high school and like some pretty impressive numbers as well actually 10,000 total yards um include like you know rush yards and pass yards with 120 touchdowns so very impressive record there but not a lot of um of college interest uh, in him as a quarterback sadly uh, but not but not sadly for NFL teams as he's kind of uh, transitioned to, to cornerback via the wide receiver position as well so quite a really impressive um kind of positional change there coming across into college um uh, like not not an easy start to his college career either. Uh, he tore his ACL before the fr- his freshman season, uh, and then he lost his mum to cancer as well. So pretty brutal off season that was uh, coming into it. But he's obviously bounced back. Um, two year starter in the end. He's opted out this year, um, and in that two years, six interceptions, uh, fifty six tackles, and nineteen passes defended. So not not bad production at all from from a guy of, of his skill set. And, and as Rob just said, there you're not getting a lot of targets when when you're as good as him. So. Uh, yeah, not not bad production at all. Um, I, I do wonder whether the kind of lack of twenty twenty tape is going to have hindered him when we talk when we talk about the other guys on, on the podcast today. Is he going to drop down slightly below that because of that? Or um, I, I've started to see it a different way. Actually, I've started to see it as kind of when you kind of there's less tape to look at and. It feels to me like if you're really sold on a guy from what take the reason and there's less to see downside-wise, you're going to go higher up the board. So I'm starting to see the flip side of the argument that we've been having all year. So I think that I think Farley could be the kind of personification of that as well. Um, but then the kind of the, the lack of the combine is going to hurt uh, hurt that as well. You obviously no chance to put the uh, latest kind of speed and stuff on tape. Um, so um, pros, I think basically he's 
much bigger than your kind of average corner, six foot two, uh, 197 pounds. So, so that's kind of giving him what some would say like a, an issue because of the mobility that you get with an oversized corner. Um, and you kind of see that sometimes with the, with the famous Kieran hips, it can be a little stiff there. Um, but other than that, he, he's got like the, the, the explosive speed, which really makes up for the kind of mobility issues there. So he's incredibly quick, um, very good at like closing speed when those corners are coming back on. Sorry, when the wide receivers are coming back on the comeback routes, He's, he's on to them in a flash, reading the quarterback's eyes and, and making a play on the ball. So fantastic there. Um, great in man coverage downfield as well. I mean, just kind of like uh, from what I watched to start with was just the impressiveness when he was going with your kind of quick outside receiver. He was tracking him uh, step for step and, and, you know, just making a play on the ball at the end as well. So really good at that. Um, but he's also quite adept in, in press coverage, uh, press as well. You know, I'll be honest, I'm not the best cornerback scout in the world, but like it's quite evidence when guys are good in man, good in press or good in one or the other. Uh, Farley's got um, got got both things ticked up, ticked the box for me perfectly well as well. Um, really good at the point at the catch point, um, hand coordination. Uh, that's a big thing. I talked about Xavier Howard earlier. That's that's the big plus of Xavier Howard's game, just kind of one handed grabs, um, knocking down balls with fingertips and stuff like that. So it, uh, Farley's got that in uh, in, in abundance, and that's going to be a real strength in the NFL as well with, with that speed to to go with it. Um, the kind of positional awareness is great as well when he's playing off man and he's kind of stepping back. Uh, he's kind of easy to give himself room to, to read the routes and explode into it, like I said, and make those plays on on the, on the short routes. Um, and it's just, I'm going back to his size, it's just really rare to see people that of that length and, and of that fluidity uh, for someone six foot two playing corner. So uh, loads to like for NFL teams there and, um, and, and very little downside as well. The, the, the downside thing uh, I've got is uh, needs to turn head a bit more in downfield coverage. One of those guys that kind of locks on uh, and runs with his man rather than uh, trying to look back and, and play the ball uh, right down the field. Obviously, he's very good underneath uh, in that respect. Um, and the kind of thing which, I mean, the, the other ta- the other guys I've, I've scouted for this, the kind of sleep and stuff, it's just consistent, really. Um, uh just struggling with some tackling the kind of you know there's a lot of whiffs on tape but I think that's quite consistent at this position and safety when we looked at that there's a lot of whiffs and so that's kind of NFL coachable so I'm not worried about it at all and the kind of other other question mark which um, this season probably would have put to bed and the, and the combine could have put to bed as well is, is the kind of injury uh, question mark. Uh, he's had a back injury, back surgery as well, as well as the ACL. So a little bit to worry about there, um, but I'm sure that teams will do their due diligence and whoever takes him will be happy. Um, in terms of where he's going, I mean, I've got him going quite high up, to be honest. I, think, I don't think he falls past the, the back end of the, of the teens. I think there's going to be a team that, that goes in there. And frankly, I think this is kind of what um, like my Dolphins would have been looking for when they they took Noah Igbenogany last year, um, slightly different player, but that kind of versatility, um, press man, you know, the ability to, to kind of operate in any sort of scheme would have been uh, would have been good. Sadly, Igbenogany didn't work out particularly well in his true first season. Hopefully, he can bounce back from that. Yeah, so we've got what have we got a, a decent man corner, well, more than decent man corner who's six foot two and over two hundred pounds who can fly. He's someone's going to fall in love with him, aren't they? He's one for the NFL for sure for, for sort of modern day. Um, yeah, I think he'll be going first half of the first round for sure. Even if you know we are having some concerns about his experience, maybe maybe an injury concern or two, someone will look at him and think I can. Because all coaches think that, don't they? All, all defensive back coaches or defensive coordinators think I can make him the best corner in the in the league, especially at those measurements with those movement skills. Um, so, yeah, no, I think we'll see him go off the board fairly early on for sure. 
Liam, we'll come back to you. Um, you're going to finish us off for our first round of our sort of top end guys. Uh, going back to Georgia. Uh, yes, I am. There we go. We're going to go uh, to the uh, opposite side of the field of uh, Georgia's secondary, and I'm going to talk about uh, Tyson Campbell. Six uh, two, approximately 185 pounds. So yeah, a um, bit taller than Stokes, a bit more length uh, to him. Um, like really uh, good build physically. Uh, he's a junior out of uh, American Heritage School in Plantation, Florida, which if that sounds familiar is because you might just have heard it when we were, uh, Rob was talking about Patrick Satane because uh, he's a fast five-star recruit and ranked second cornerback in the nation uh, behind uh, Satane. Uh, and they were teammates. They played in the same secondary together and uh, also played together in the 2018 All-American Bowl uh, just before Satane joined Alabama and Campbell joined uh, Georgia. Um, some pros uh, now for Campbell and Film. Uh, as I talked about with Stokes, um, you play both man and zones with uh, Georgia when you're uh, the cornerback in coverages. Um, Campbell to me looks like a better man cover guy. Um, I talked about how Stokes, I think, is good out, out of both. Um, Campbell looks, yeah, solid as a man coverage guy. Like I say, really good build and length. Um, can really get in amongst plays. Um, has uh, shows um, really good physicality. Um, the sort of the plays I've seen on film that I think of with Campbell when he can uh, use his athleticism and and step into receivers and jam them, and also just get into passing lanes. Really, really good at getting past breakups. Um, there's some good examples against some of the best around, like um, Alabama, for example, which we all know about there. Uh, wide receiver train that he was breaking up plays um, in in that game. Like I say, really good athlete um, can stay with the longer routes um, out of um, out of different stances as well. Whether um, plays are going inside him or outside of him, um, kind of yeah, just um, good upper and lower body movement as a result. It's kind of change the direction uh, to stick um, downfield is really really good. Um, I like how he can uh, stick with routes that uh, kind of uh, move towards the uh, midfield to move in inside. Um, again, that's that's kind of where he earns a lot of uh, things like pass breakups can can kind of get in front and get into passing lanes for turnovers as well. Um, a few areas where he needs to work on. I um, noted that he's a bit inconsistent uh, on tape for me in a few areas. That's why I think I'm a bit lower on him uh, than I am with with Stokes and uh Actually, probably all the guys that we've mentioned so far in the episode, um, I think he can kind of get a little bit uh, too physical, a bit grabby sometimes. Um, for all the physicality that he shows, he can get beat going up high and uh, get beaten by contact and uh, in traffic at the catch point a bit too much. He gave up quite a lot of plays this season um, in the uh, the kind of SEC only season that Georgia have played in their teams offences seem to uh, didn't seem to mind at attacking him at times. I think that he gave up uh, quite a lot in a few games. Um, acceleration and initial burst uh, can be a little bit off as well. So uh, he kind of has to chase uh, routes quite a bit, um, a bit too often uh, for me. This means I think that he's uh, in a way he's a bit of a, a zone first defender. I think he works uh, or sorry that he's not a zone first defender. And that he'll work best closer, like uh, to his man, closer coverages, 
he kind of wasn't really used in uh, like other packages like um, Stokes was always the guy that was going to blitz off off the edge and Campbell wasn't um, going to do so um, but there's there's a high ceiling to be had with him um, we've already mentioned uh, Auburn wide receiver uh, Seth Williams and uh, I'm going to mention him again because I recommend anyone goes and watch the tape of Tyson Campbell covering Seth Williams um, with, if you're studying either of them it was a really really good matchup um, Seth Williams like had him a few times um, but Campbell really showed uh, the sort of player that he, he can be in that one really got in amongst him really uh, yeah, really um, forced uh, incompletions um, really played him really nicely um, so I think he's um, kind of a high ceiling guy but right now I, th I think I'm a bit lower on him than the, the previous guys we've mentioned but um, for sure um, Tyson Campbell's going to have some suitors uh, yeah overall I think uh, definitely going to have some uh, teams coveting him at the next level how far apart have you got these two guys who you've mentioned this evening? Uh, pretty far. Oh, well, I, Campbell is, for me, like solid late second round, maybe possibly third if he drops. Um, I th I think that Stokes is just a better all-rounder. Uh, I, th I had too many kind of worries like the, the negatives for for me were a little bit worried but at the same time the pros that Campbell brings yeah, he's, he's a high ceiling guy for sure um I'll, I'll tell you who he I'll tell you who he reminds me of he reminds me a couple of years ago um a, a kid that came out of um uh, Michigan State uh Justin Lane who went to the Steelers um okay. I think I ranked him fairly low a bit lower than most people but I said that if he if he if it, he gets it right, that he's got as high a ceiling as anyone, and they're kind of similar build, but I was going to say the same sort of body type, aren't they? Yeah, similar build, but different kind of pros and cons. But that's kind of how I feel about Campbell. Like I really like his what his ceiling could be, but there's a lot of a lot of cons to work on, and that's why like I I bring up Lane because I had that kind of similar feeling. I ranked him quite low, but then kind of yeah, caveated that with I think that if he if it clicks with him, yeah, then it, he's got as good a ceiling as anyone in the class yeah i definitely see it i i mean we've talked about it previously haven't we? you and i uh, i actually like tyson campbell more than eric stokes i think he yeah. does have that super high ceiling um i really like his competitiveness as well i was wondering if you were going to mention because i had a bit of a, a comp in terms of his play style not his body type so much because the the guy who i'm going to mention isn't as big and I guess it goes into the same conversation as what I was saying with Farley. Someone's going to love Stoke, not Stoke, so Campbell because of his size, because uh, you just don't get corners like this. I mean, you're a Seahawks fan, you'll know about massive corners. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he go, yeah. And if he went, you know, if he fitted into, you know, if we were to take him and fit in there, you know, I'd love it, you know, yeah. instantly, you know, that's the sort of place that you want him, want him to go. And, mm. you know, Lane, um, as an example, isn't like, I don't often do comps and I'm not going no. to, to kind of pair them up. He's just a guy that came to mind just as how I see them. And I think they are about the same sort of height, about six, two, six, three. I got Lane in my head as quite a tall guy. Yeah. He is. Um, but um, yeah, it's that high ceiling thing. And like, yeah, I see it. If anyone wants to, to put him in their, their top three or four cornerbacks for his ceiling. Absolutely. The comp play style wise that I was just mentioning, I was kind of wondering if you were going to kind of come on to this, was um, a player that I really liked, and maybe that plays into the fact that I really like Campbell as well because I really liked this corner, uh, was Jalen Johnson, who went to the Bears. Um, yeah, I really liked him. Play style wise, like super yeah. grabby. 
I'm surprised he's not. I was actually surprised that Johnson didn't give up as many flags as he did because he's a super grabby at Utah. Um, but yeah, just like that type of corner, I guess. I'm just a sucker for that, I guess. He sounds like he fitted into the Bears pretty quickly as well. Had a good mm. season. Yeah, he did. Yeah, one for the brand. Um, but yeah, no, some some good uh, some good reviews there from the Georgia corners. Uh, like I say, you must be uh, seeing that defense in your sleep now after this week. Um, Andy, we'll come on to you. Um, you're going to sort of have a little bit of a hometown shout out from from your team. Yeah, very quickly, I'll, I'll just cover off uh, Asante Samuel Jr. because uh, I've seen quite a lot of hype now the season's over. A lot of people liking his uh, his kind of man coverage ability um, and I just thought it was worth giving him a shout out because he's going to go right up there, I think. He is, again, on the shorter side, uh, 5'10", uh, 184 pounds. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, if that 5'10", slightly inflated by the uh, FSU website folk. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he's not physical at all as a player which is, this, this isn't going to be like a, uh, the kind of pros and cons, but I'm just going to very quickly talk you through what I see, I see myself on the uh, every week. He's not really like a physical corner. He's very much uh, reliant on his on his coverage skills, and that's but that's no bad thing because he's, he's fantastic in man coverage. Um, I've kind of been hot and cold on him uh, a, a bit throughout the kind of season and, and last season and stuff as well, just because of that lack of physicality. But then when you kind of sit back and actually watch him, um, the, the, the way he reads the game, the way he breaks on the, on the football is fantastic. And, and a couple of the times when we were playing uh, quarterbacks with like a bit of a longer wind-up or, or like weaker arm, it's just there's just no point in, in going after him because he kind of reads the game that well that by the time the balls come out, he, he's on to the receiver and breaking up the pass. He's fantastic at that. Um, and, and also just a bit of a rarity to, to mention him is he's fantastic um, when he's kind of attacking the, the run game as well. I've seen him shed blocks blocks from tight ends quite a lot um, and yeah he just gets after it he's a very driven player I think he gets that from his dad as well who, who a bit like a couple of the other guys we've mentioned is a, was a former NFL uh, cornerback as well with, with a few teams so like, I'm a big fan of him uh, he moves like really well he, as Kieran would love we're going to keep mentioning it he'd, he'd love his hip work and I think Kieran's got him quite highly for, for in the little project that we've got going to announce uh, at some point as well but yeah, big fan. I think he'll do well in the league. If if uh, if teams don't like him on the outside because of his size, he'll be like a top five uh, slot corner in the league. I've got no doubt at all. Mm. Yeah, another one, like you say, coming from the bloodline and also coming from, as we've we mentioned with a couple of guys, coming from an absolute powerhouse of a high school as well, St. Thomas Aquinas from in Florida. Uh, Joey Bosa is a, a alumnus, uh, alumnus sorry, of that, that, uh, that institution. Uh, as well as quite a lot of other players as well, but I know that Joe Bosa especially went there. Uh, I think Nick Bosa obviously as well. Um, but yeah, another powerhouse guy. But yeah, maybe his height playing against him and just being a slot guy in the NFL at the next level, do you reckon? Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, I guess they'll just, uh, I guess a team will like plug in and play and, and see what he does on the outside and if he can kind of adjust his game to that. I mean, it's not going to be easy against the, the DeAndre Hopkins and stuff of the world, the taller guys, but it never is, is it? But I think he could get exploited slightly. So I guess they'll, uh, he'll be tried out in that in some preseason and stuff like that and, mm. and shifted inside. I think that kind of, that, uh, that gives him a bit of a ceiling in terms of draft stock. I think he's, I think he's a second round pick personally. Um, I don't think he's going to go any higher than that, and he might slide slightly. But what I've, what I've seen, it kind of that thing that's getting a bit hype at the moment. You know how it, how it goes, and, and it's really building up a bit. So I think he could be. Uh, I think he could go top end of the second. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, I mean, we're going to mention, as Liam put it before we started recording, an elephant in the room amongst our cornerback uh, class that we've got going on. Nothing wrong with being a slot corner. And if one guy had thought that before the season, maybe he wouldn't have been slipping down everyone's draft boards. 
person I'm speaking of is obviously Sean Wade. Um, everyone had him obviously really, really high before the season started, and he was kind of the next one off the conveyor belt at Ohio State, moved from the slot to the outside, and, well, it's not gone very well, has it, really? And now, where do we value Sean Wade? Liam, I'll bring it to you because you, you obviously brought him up before we were before we were uh, starting to record. Yeah. What's what's the deal here? Yeah, I think I think you've got it. He's a slot corner, and I think that uh, Ohio State. I think what they did was they realised how good their their linebacker uh, group was, and that they could kind of afford to try him on the outside and not have him in the slot. And uh, yeah, in terms of draft stock, it's 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 backfired for him, hasn't it? I think. I'm I'm probably still going to be a bit higher on him than the most. I don't think he's a first rounder uh, the same way as I would have done 12 months ago. But um, I think that NFL teams will use his bad tape from this year as a positive in terms of him being a slot corner. And that the, the last time we saw him uh, last season was absolutely going into Cam Chancellor mode and levelling Trevor Lawrence in the... Uh, Fiesta Bowl and um, being thrown out of the game and if that was his last play for Ohio State and he entered the draft last year his draft stock would have been up as a slot corner and then yeah it's backfired this year um, I think I've I said it with a couple of other guys uh, I think Dylan Moses the linebacker of Alabama is one that they're having a bad time learning a new uh, position and I still think that teams will still see them in a positive light in terms of what they can do elsewhere and what they've proven that they can do elsewhere. I think Sean Wade still falls into that for me. Bob, did you want to come in there? Sorry, mate. Yeah, I was going to say that when I watched his tape last year, well, sort of beginning of this season, really, it was last year's tape. I was so impressed with, like I said, in the slot, he actually found his way onto my first mock this year. As I think he went 10th off the board. Um, delighted to say he's still 10th off the board in the second round, though. That's the problem. Uh, he's going to hold round back from me. Um, do you think that NFL teams are going to be drafting him as a slot receiver, uh, slot corner, knowing that is his strength? Or are they going to be still trying to mould him into the, into the outside corner? I think they'd be brave to continue the experiment that happened mm. because it it's not gone well at all. There's not a lot that we can talk, talk about, can there? I mean, we saw in the college football semi-final, I mean, we were sort of sending clips to each other weren't we, in our group mm. chat that he was just getting burnt all over. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a slot corner. We kind of talked about this when the edge class, we were talking about Rashan Gary, who I mentioned, we were talking about another couple of guys who want to be edges, but they're maybe just better suited to be in the yeah. sort of central areas of the, of the defensive line. There's nothing wrong with that. Just be a good footballer at that, Position that yeah. you're suited to, do you know what I mean? You don't need to be the, like the premier guy or whatever. I, mean, I guess it's a bit of ego that comes into it and things like that. But slot corner is a starting position for ninety percent of the league now, if not more than that. So just be a good player. You're going to play, play a lot of snaps. You're just not going to be on CBS or Fox's little run through of the defense when it comes on and <laughs> at the start of the game, and you're not going to get paid as much money. But if you kind of transition to outside corner and are bad, then you're not going to be in the league for very long. So that's what I would say. Anyway, go on, Liam. Go ahead goes back to um, when we used Tyron Matthew as an example of these kind of like hybrid guys that at the start of the year as well, people were kind of saying a possible safety position in that safety slot for, for Wade. And um, I think he was weighing in at over 190 pounds and kind of built more like a safety. It does feel like um, 
yeah, using him in the, the slot as those, that guy that can make the burst on the short area plays rather than having him out wide is the is the best way to go. But there's 32 teams in the league. There's always going to be defensive coaches that I say, yeah, we can we can take him on the outside. Well, he'll work in. A, I can get. I can make him the best outside corner in the league. Somebody will. Somebody will try, or somebody will think they can try. But um, yeah, I'd play him in slot. He's a slot corner. The thing that kind of makes it seem possible is obviously he's not short. He's not like we were just saying about Asante Samuel. He's obviously five five ten, and he reckons it's overinflated. Sean Wade is a proper six foot one build. You know, he's quite thick as well. Like you say, he's not like a light guy either. Um, so yeah, he's got that kind of the same sort of build as some of the other guys that we've been talking about, really. But he's better suited on the inside. It's just the fact of the matter from looking at the tape, anyway. For me, he's a safety. Maybe he's a safety. <laughs> Could be. I mean, like you say, there's, a, there's not a lot. There's a bit of a grey area now. There's not a lot of distinction between the slot and the kind of hybrid, big safety, big slot kind of nickel coverage yeah. guy. So it's. I just think I just said a lot of words then, to be honest with you. But that's all. That's what it is becoming. It's becoming that grey area. Maybe that's personified by the fact that Love I didn't get to, my terms right. Love to hear some of his interviews in the next couple of months, where because he's declared and he obviously feels like he's. He doesn't need to go back to for another year, and he's he's done enough. I wonder if he's declaring and saying, "Okay, yeah, I, I'm playing inside," or if he still wants to play on the outside. It'd be really interesting to know. Yeah, it might get a few coaches kind of saying, "This is what we're going to do with you. How do you feel about it?" And seeing how it reacts, maybe in those um, interviews. Yeah. Andy, what do you reckon? Do you reckon he should have come out? Do you reckon he should have gone back? He's a safety. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know. It feels like it feels like if you if you go back again, you kind of it's it's a it's a double edged sword, isn't it? You you could in theory improve your skill set, but then you're kind of also saying that you don't back yourself as a as a talent you've talked yourself up to be all year. So it's a double edged sword. Um, I, I I legitimately think he could be a a, a safety strong safety even uh, coming up and making those tackles on the inside. So yeah. Um, I mean, he just made a fool of himself, didn't he, with that, that uh, national championship game? He didn't have to say anything. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot did. about that. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, bring it on and I'll uh, I'll take down the Heisman winner. And the, the Heisman winner got 200 yards in the, in the first in the first half, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good shout. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, good good shout about being a double-edged sword as well because it does seem like you're kind of backing down from the challenge a little bit, doesn't it? And especially if it goes badly again, then you're like a, you're going to even get drafted kind of thing, especially as like yeah. an older player. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, good chat there about, uh, we've covered, what, six, seven guys there, didn't we? Bumper episode again, getting into these longer episodes at the start of the podcast. So, yeah, no, good, lots of good content for everyone to kind of read through. But anyway, let's go through to our sleepers. Right then, yeah, so through to our sleepers then. So we've got some uh, late round guys for you. And Rob, you reckon, uh, are you backing down from it now? You were saying before that you reckon that a few of us have got <laughs> the same guy. Wow. Yeah, I just after last week when me and you had the same guy, mm. I just thought we might kick off a trend, and I suddenly thought, what if two or three of us got the same guy? This because I've been my sleeper, I can't believe how good he is, and uh, I just thought, well, if he's if I think it is this good, I'm seeing this, 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 and this, then I'm sure someone else is going to see it. But when we were talking off air before the show, I, I don't know. I think I might be the only one, so it'd be interesting. <laughs> Why don't you kick us off then with your one? If you've got <laughs> he's so good. All right. Who else has got Greg Newsom from Northwestern? No. No. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> no. He'd be a popular name, but yeah, I think we kind of avoided it, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Good shout. There goes that, there goes that theory. Uh, so yeah, Greg Newsom uh, again, another another junior or uh, II as I like to say for for these guys. Uh, Greg Newsom II, a junior from Northwestern. Uh, kind of the team that kind of impressed, sort of in the same sort of mold as Coastal Carolina did and BYU this year. Northwestern were a team that were really really good to watch. Now. Greg Newsom didn't play very much this year. In fact, his biggest knock is the fact that he hasn't played hardly at all. Uh, 17 games in his college career, um, and it's because of injuries. We'll go on to the cons in a minute. Let's look at the positives. Uh, well, let's start with the with the metrics. Start with uh, 6'1", 190, 190 pounds, a three-star recruit from Glenbard North High School in Chicago. Full of potential is my first line uh, of, the, of my scouting report. Borderline day two prospect is the next one. Um, will shadow a number one receiver all game, cover him consistently and can play both sides equally well. Pros, strong ball skills, good length, quick feet, elite flexibility, athleticism, frequently attacks the ball in the air, quick reactions, good instincts, set up well for where he's comfortable using a half-turn technique, reads, breaks and quarterback's eyes very well. Loose hips, we've mentioned the hips three or four times today. Uh, loose hips helps him transition quickly and not afraid to get physical. That's what I've got down for his pros, um, you know, which is some very nice traits there for, for a corner, as we discussed at the top of the show there. Ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, but like I said, the cons, unfortunately, the durability is a massive red flag, um, which is why he's not, you know, going day one, probably not possibly not day two either. It's because, you know, he can't finish the season. Um, injury galore. Um, I didn't dive into the injuries, to be honest. I should have done, but I didn't. Um, but just, you know, seeing he played uh, six games uh, in his freshman year, eight games in his sophomore year and three games this year, albeit on a smaller schedule. Um, still not great to see him not being able to finish a year. Um, another one I've got here, another con is although aggressive when attacking the ball, his angles aren't always right and will need improving for the next level. Uh, can back off too, can back off too sometimes in, in too much in zone coverage. And again, like with Patrick Sertain, long speed leaves him susceptible to a long play on occasion. Um, so yeah, there's a few cons, but all in all, for a guy who's slated to be probably a day three prospect, maybe a late day two prospect, he's got a lot of pros. If he can stay healthy, if he's one of these guys that, yeah, had an injury riddled college career, but gets into the pros and, and has managed to stay healthy, this guy could rise up the ladder quite quickly. He's got all the natural traits and abilities to be a really good corner in the NFL. So if he can stay healthy, this is going to be a good pick and it's going to be a late sleeper pick. Um, like I said, day three, probably prospect um, where, where a team could have a really good corner on their hands. Um, but there's a lot of question marks. He's definitely someone uh, that a lot of people are talking about. As like, a, mm. like you say, I think you've highlighted the right things. I mean, a lot of people have seen the potential there, but it's the the question marks that you're talking about are holding him back. So kind of the epitome of a sleeper, really, in terms of like he could yeah. be a real boom uh, player or a bus player, of course, as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, one to watch for sure. Um, I'm going to go next because um, Liam, you thought that I had one player. Who did you think I had just out of out of interest? before we get going? Um, well, I, I had like two or three in mind, so I don't think it's any of them now. So you just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, you might have um, heard me say earlier on that we had a very SEC-dominated first half of the programme. So I wanted to get away from that. I want to get back to the natural habitat. I want to go out west. Uh, we're going to go back to Oregon. 
I've uh, got Thomas Graham um, um, out of Oregon. Uh, no, it player, wasn't him. Was it not? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought you might have thought it was Lenore, because I was talking about him quite a bit. But uh, yeah, it's Thomas Graham over the other side. Um, opting out this year, so I haven't seen him for over a year. But when we did see him, it was very, very good. And one thing that I have as a big plus, which kind of tails off what Rob's saying about Greg Newsom, is Thomas Graham has been an absolute iron man. He's never missed a game for Oregon, apart from the season where he opted out. 13 games as a freshman, 13 games as a sophomore, 14 games as he went to the Rose Bowl and won that for Oregon uh, in his, um, his junior season. Sorry. So a player with lots of experience, player who doesn't get injured very much uh, either. Um, player of high pedigree as well, so four-star cornerback out of California. Um, ranked, yeah, pretty highly uh, in the state of California, which obviously has a lot of talent as well, so it says quite a lot as well. You know, if you're the number 11 cornerback in California, it's better than being the number 11 ranked corner in Rhode Island, let's say, um, because there's a lot of talent out there. Um, part of a really talent, talented Oregon secondary when, when he was playing, um, Lenore, who I mentioned earlier, Brady Breeze, Nick Pickett, um, all really, really good players. Uh, but like I said, Graham opted out, as did uh, quite a lot of Oregon players, actually, as, as the season kind of unfolded, obviously, with COVID and then the Black Lives Matter movement uh, at the start of the season. Um, but an absolute ball player is the thing that jumped off the tape straight away. Uh, gets his hands on the football all of the time in terms of picks. He's got quite a nice flow of picks. Three in his first two seasons, then finished off with two in his junior season. And then absolutely boatloads of pass deflections. So, yeah, maybe he does get tested quite a lot. Um, in the Pac-12, which is quite pass-happy, but he's also getting his hands on the football a heck of a lot as well. So an absolute ball player for me. And, you know, like I said before, ball production is one thing that I'm looking out for when I'm looking at my corners. Um, gets his hands on the football all the time, excellent ball skills. Has a nose for the football with great instincts. He's just reading off a line of my report here. Great understanding of route concepts, kind of can see them uh, kind of developing. That's how he can get himself in the passing lane so frequently. Really good in zone and man, I thought, and has a good amount of athletic ability. Quite a thickly built guy. I think he's got quite large thighs for a cornerback. Um, so again, might sort of shift inside, might sort of shift into some sub packages when you move him around. He weighs in at 197 pounds, according to the Oregon website and uh, measures up at 5'11". So again, another kind of big corner. We're not looking at someone who's kind of this little skinny corner who uh, could only play in the slot. He's definitely got the durability to, to play all over. And obviously that's shown up, as I mentioned before, uh, with his experience and the amount of games he's racked up. Has played a little bit of safety as well. Um, can rotate deep, so that maybe again plays into that versatility. Uh, I said that he has also got excellent click and close skills, so can kind of see the ball in front of him, like I said before, reads those route concepts and kind of makes a break on it. So it could be a permanent poster in the future, could move him around to safety again. Um, just adding into that versatility, which you're going to need if you're going to be a late, uh, later pick anyway. I think he's going to be start of day three, end of day two is what I've got him graded as anyway. Uh, moving forward, that, that, like I said, that versatility is only going to help him in terms of cons, uh, footwork is not great at times. Gets his body and his feet in the wrong position at all times. And he kind of looks a bit clunky at times, especially if he's coming up against a quicker receiver. Um, if his receiver gets separated, then he can go for a big play, which obviously is going to be a bit of a problem in the NFL. Um, misses a lot of tackles as well. Has a very, very ankle tapping technique, which isn't going to work at all at the NFL level. So needs to work on that one. Um I'll say that we've not seen him for a year because obviously he's not been playing for Oregon, but he is at the senior bowl and seems to be having a bit of an up and down day. Had a had a uh, really good day one. It seems like he's had a bit of an up and down day today. Um, the guy, Demetric Felton from UCLA, I saw a, 
a route where he absolutely cooked Graham on it, but he was really good in the in the first day from what I saw on the highlights that have been all over Twitter. But yeah, I watched a fair bit of him in the summer, a player that I really like. Also like Lenora over the other side, I've kind of tossed up between these two, but I feel like I mentioned Lenora a little bit. So I went for Graham as my sleeper. But yeah, like I say, I think a lot of uh, mock draft machines and things like that that you see all over the internet nowadays have got him in uh, the day solidly in the day three kind of mix. I think he can kind of push up above that, especially with his kind of potential to play safety as well. So yeah, Thomas Graham out of Oregon is my sleeper and a player that I really like actually as well. Um, Andy, we'll come to you next for, for your sleeper um, to keep this train going. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm stuck in the, in the great state of, of Florida, um, University of South Florida and uh, Mike Hampton, who's the... Uh, uh, who's a cornerback there, six foot one, uh, 190 pounds. Um, obviously not a, a massive talent factory at uh, University of South Florida, which is based in Tampa. Um, they've had, but they have had uh, eight uh, defensive backs drafted since uh, since year 2000, uh, including uh, first rounder Mike Jenkins and safety uh, Nate Allen, both who played had good solid. Uh, careers in the league, so a bit of a uh, bit of pedigree from from, from the Bulls there, but not a uh, um, you know not not a regular uh, team you see cropping up with NFL uh, caliber guys. Um, he's a three year starter, uh, 135 tackles, uh, 27 passes defended, and two interceptions as well. Uh, in 2019, he only uh, allowed a passer rating of 65.2 when targeted, and they only allowed one one touchdown against him in coverage. Um, reason I'm a fan is kind of one of those guys that just changes direction incredibly quickly, mirroring coverage, uh, really good athlete, um, great foot speed, and he breaks really well into vertical coverage, um, nice hip fluidity, uh, great timing to close down routes as well. Um, and like, he's really, really good in, in off, off man coverage, which um, normally is kind of like a bit of a negative when they, when they burst past you and you kind of got ground to make up, but he tracks, uh, tracks his man in fantastically well. Uh, in that as well, he's got lots of zone experience. Um, kind of often using, often playing the deep role in in in, uh, in three deep in three zone coverage, uh, and he kind of uses the sideline in a way that, like, I wanted Asante Samuel to do a bit more at FSU, just kind of pushing his man out of bounds, getting him out there, and and really kind of hugging that, hugging the line. Um, Obviously, I don't know whether you guys have actually heard or watched any of Mike Hampton at all, or or, or US, US, uh, USF. Um, but the kind of reason he's not up there as one of the one of the good the better guys in here is the kind of away he plays the run game. He struggles in terms of block shedding, and he misses a lot of tackles when he's kind of playing the running back. Um, there's also a bit of a, a bit of a question mark around his really desire to play that phase of the game. Um, I've noticed a hell of a lot of walking on tape, <laughs> just a lot of like, oh, he's gone, and uh, uh, and just you know not really a lot of desire to track his track his runner down. Um, also kind of struggles against the bigger receivers, uh, which is disappointing for a guy who's six foot one, um, kind of gets bullied a bit physically at the point of catch. But I think there's enough there athletically that someone's going to take a uh, someone's going to take a shot at him late in the draft. I think he's a six, seventh rounder uh, tops. But th- there's a lot of production there. If, if someone wants to dig down a bit deeper and try and get a bargain, uh, there's obviously the athletic traits to to mould if they can. Um, and, and, you know, maybe not like a starting calibre guy, but backup special teamer. Can definitely see it, and uh, and he's actually like it's actually quite fun to watch him and watch that kind of Bulls team. If you ever want a, a different team to, to watch, uh, Willie Taggart did have them playing really well a couple of years ago before he went to FSU. So it's definitely worth watching some of that, uh, some of that 2018 tape. I'll be honest, I'd never heard of him before you mentioned him. 
I've had a quick look at his stats. So 16 pass selections a couple of years ago really stands out. Obviously gets his hands on the football, um, which obviously I've been preaching about for the past hour. Um, but yeah, stands out off tape that for sure. And if he's got a bit of athleticism about him, the work rate kind of thing would worry me ever so slightly, especially at that lower level. Because if you're not going to work at that lower level, you're going to work harder. You know, when all the other guys who are better than you work, you know, really, really hard as well. So um, yeah, another quite deep sleep from you. I feel like you have got quite a lot of deep sleepers throughout this process whereas i feel like i've been a bit scared to do that so respect for you to doing that really. there you go no i just like florida <laughs> if you could give me a florida prospect i'll go searching <laughs> yeah but no one to watch for sure uh, maybe in your deeper dives uh, for anyone who's kind of looking at day three or maybe some nice priority draft uh, undrafted uh free agents for sure um liam finishes off then with your with your sleeper yeah, um, I'm going to go deep as well. I'm going to go into the FCS and uh, I'm going to talk about a guy that I I, I really like. I'm so pleased that um, he's uh, entering the, the draft and I'm going to talk about uh, Robert Rochelle out of central Arkansas, the uh, FCS school. I love finding um, small school um, prospects and uh, Rochelle is a yeah guy that's I think going to get a little bit more buzz as uh, the months go on up to the draft. Um, it's approximately six foot. Um, I've seen his weight as low as around 180 pounds. That uh, he's at the Senior Bowl this week and weighed in at 195. So um, put a bit more weight on uh, to his frame uh, for that. Um, he's a, a, a Louisiana kid um, from the city of uh, Shreveport. Um, um speaking uh to his uh character that um it's been reported that he had a little bit of a, a tragic upbringing losing his father at a young age and um also um three other um immediate family members um uh all to um all to gun crime which i didn't really want to include in a way i was reading it thinking oh this is a bit this is a bit much but it does speak to his character and especially as he's spoken about it and using it as a kind of a positive uh, trait and obviously does speak to his his mental strength um i thought it was worth bringing up um he's uh he's a really athletic guy uh rochelle uh, from a young age he was he was straight into football and also was a track star um early uh in his life and then into high school um has played um both sides of the ball uh through his early years and in high school um was uh seen by a lot of um division one schools had a really a uh, good workout at an LSU camp and uh, schools um, much higher up than where he's ended up were ready to uh, offer him uh, scholarships, but he got a knee injury um, in his final high school year and took a lot of uh, opportunities away. Um, the only team that stuck with him were the Central Arkansas Bears um, of the FCS Southland Conference. And uh, so he, uh, he, he went there and uh, he's, He's been playing really, really well at that level. Um, I've got some notes here on uh, some of his impressive season stat lines. As a redshirt freshman, uh, only three starts, but did record a forced fumble and an interception. Uh, The following season, recorded a forced fumble and four interceptions. In 2019, as a redshirt junior, he started all season and led the team again with five interceptions. Um, and this was where I um, first became aware of him. Uh, he played in the season opener against uh, Western Kentucky uh, of the FBS and uh, got a really nice pick in that game. Had a, had a really good game in general. Um, uh, this year, uh, Central Arkansas, one of the few FCS teams that put together a decent schedule, 
Um, but um, his uh, his stat line showed no interceptions, but there's uh, quite a few um, nice plays, um, some good pass breakups in amongst his tape from this year, um, including uh, a couple of plays uh, against North Dakota State and Trey Lance. We remember this year that Trey Lance had his one game uh, this year that all eyes were on. It was against Central Arkansas and uh, recommend uh, the tape um, on uh, Rochelle. It's a good uh, good tape, good for him to watch him go up against a, a guy that's um, being coveted as a possible first-round quarterback. Um, Rochelle's tape from that game, I think, is actually the best I've seen from him. He, um, he uh, played really well. Some good uh, pass breakups um, and uh, showed a lot of what I think are pros to his game, which is uh, he shows really, really good length. It's kind of the, the main uh, trait of his game. He plays bigger and taller uh, than his height. Um, obviously, like um, really good reach, really good wingspan. He, he plays physical, likes to tackle, um, plays a lot in press coverage um, at that level. They're obviously comfortable knowing who the opposition's main guy is and putting him uh, up close to him and uh, trying to um, trying to stop uh, the main guy. And he, he does it really, really well. Um, really good hands, uh, former receiver. So it speaks to that that stat line of having 10 picks in his time there. Um, the uh, interception against Western Kentucky that I mentioned earlier, it just went up high, falling back, brought it in. Like the catch radius is on on show in that in that highlight. Um, looks like a real kind of leader by example type, which you kind of have to be at that level when you have the sort of ceiling that I, I hope he has. Um where he needs to, to work on, I think he can be a bit over aggressive downfield, gives away a few uh, too many penalties, uh, relies on contact maybe a little bit too much. So he can be bumped out of position and have, have to chase. He is uh, really athletic and uh, sometimes he is able to um, he is able to recover. But uh, obviously at the higher levels, he, he won't be. Um, when told to target the backfield, he can miss tackles I think he zeroes in a little bit too quickly um, which can happen in the open as well this tackling needs a little bit refining um, in fact I think his whole game does he's just a typical small school sleeper a little bit rough around the edges but all the the traits are there I think he might need more zone reps uh, to go into the pros um, Central Arkansas actually did look like they dropped him back into zone a little bit on that uh, NDSU tape um, so maybe that was uh, they had the pros in mind um, as I mentioned, he is at the Senior Bowl uh, this week while we record. So um, I have uh, I did put a, a tweet out listing a few names that I um, really hope have a good Senior Bowl. Um, and he's one of them. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he goes. And uh, if anyone uh, does want to go and watch any of his uh, tape, get ready for uh, Central Arkansas's strange stripy purple pitch because it was uh, a bit off-putting. But um, yeah, his play is really, really good. And I think... Uh, a prototypical uh, sleeper, really, uh, really interested to uh, t- to see where he goes. Yeah, kind of again an epitome of a sleeper, really. Kind of this uh, guy that plays at a low level, but well above that level, really. Um, guy yeah, that, I think so. For someone who is that level, he's quite well known, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, that the opener of uh, the 2019 season was the first I heard of him, and then um, he's played in a kind of a few of the the what I would call the the big games this year. I don't know if you remember when the uh, FCS were the first team to start the season, uh, when uh, COVID was happening, a lot of the big, the um, FBS 
uh, conferences still weren't going. I think that Central Arkansas were the first team to come out and have a televised game, and he played well in that one. Mm. Then he had the game, the North Dakota State game, which obviously all eyes were on for Trey Lance, and he actually had a really good game in that. None of the uh, the scores for NDSU in that game were on his side of the field. No big plays given up. Yeah, good tape. One to watch, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I think it was a bit of a tour, wasn't it, that Central Arkansas were doing early on the season. They were kind of our yeah. <laughs> one of the only games that were playing most weeks, early doors, until all the main conferences got going in that staggered sense they did. But um, yeah, for sure, one to watch. Um, and yeah, I think a day three pick, for sure. I think someone will do something with him. Am I right in saying, I might have seen this on a tweet somewhere, that he's also a punk gunner and yeah. punk gunner. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to have a career in the league, aren't you, if you're pretty decent corner. Yeah, he had, like I mentioned, gunner. he played both sides of the ball. And uh, I think he's played running back, receiver, had some time even earlier in, uh, at quarterback. He's played, obviously, uh, yeah, obviously a real athlete if he's played so many positions. Mm. Yeah, I think you'll get picked up for sure. Day three, he'll be in the league uh, for a long time as well if you can keep that special teams value going. So this yeah, has I've, been our... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I just really hope he has a good senior bowl. Like I say, there's a few guys there I've been, I'll have been i be rooting for. And obviously, um, like with all of them, it'll affect his stock. And I you know if he shows up well, yeah, he could could be uh, yeah, could be one of the guys that a lot of people have was there on their day three boards. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. Um, so yeah, this has been our cornerback scouting podcast. Um, so yeah, we'll kind of get out of here. Um, Rob, start us off, give us a handle and we'll get out of here. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rob Grimwood, R-O-B-G-R-I-M-W-O-D. A bit quiet at the moment. Uh, obviously looking forward to the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks time. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> busy doing our, our project stuff at the moment. Um uh, putting the hours in i'm not working at the minute so my full-time job is now doing stuff for full 10 yards which is great <laughs> andy what about yourself uh, yeah aj more 21 or dolphin uk underscore pod as well which is uh yeah some drama in the miami dolphins uh uk twitter twitter community we got we got blocked by miami dolphins uk which has got ten thousand followers but i managed to and i saw that because i'm very good at pr and that's what i spend my days doing so there you go <laughs> It seems like there's a lot of beef on Dolphins Twitter living in. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's just like, um, I mean, I, I mean, I must admit, I, I said to the other guys that did the pod with, like, um, like I expected everyone in the NFL UK uh, like sphere to get on, but then I actually, actually realised that if you go on that that godforsaken Facebook group, which is just like, <laughs> it's, it's just like a what is it like a no man's land of a war zone, isn't it? So uh, yeah, that, that's probably a better representation. <laughs> <laughs> and Liam, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL, uh, loads of college football stuff, a uh, lot of NFL stuff as uh, we get ready for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, Liam66 at Liam66NFL. Nice one. Yeah, and myself at Wakefield90. Um, yeah, looking forward to the draft. Obviously, as I said, as we announced on uh, Thursday morning, we've got our big draft guide coming out. Um, you know, We mentioned that on the pod, so if you didn't listen to that, go back, listen to our college football podcast, a bit of a roundup of the season just basically was having a big chat really about the season and announcing our draft guide, which will be out and we'll be releasing details of that in the coming weeks and months. But yes, keep your eyes peeled for that and uh, all of the full 10 yards for all the other content that we've got coming out. But for tonight, we'll see you next time. And lads, just before we get out of here, it's wide receivers next week, is it? Yeah, boy. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, I, good. I said that uh, I said that really unconfidently. We've only got a few <laughs> positions left now, haven't we? So, yeah, wide receivers next week. So check us back next time. Should be back to our usual midweek slot. We had a bit of a busy schedule earlier on this week, so we kind of got moved up um, to the weekend and, and Thursday for the regular pod. But yeah, back next week. We'll see you then. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, fullten or follow us on Twitter at Full10YardCFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.